0: Yeah, man, it is great to see you. We are in week two of a brand new series uh, about these one another's. And as you saw in the video, uh, this is powerful when we realize, you start beginning to read the, the New Testament, you realize real quick after you get through the gospels and in the book of Acts and beyond, you see that Christians were never meant to go it alone, never meant to be on their own, always meant to be a part of community, always meant to be a part of the church. And so when you hear that, then you have to process, okay, well, if that's the case, then how are they supposed to behave towards, well, one another in those environments and in those relationships in that context? And so that's what we're excited about with this series. Uh, We kicked it off last weekend with the idea of love one another. And where again, that word love can mean everything and then nothing. We saw biblically what this word agape means and the idea of Reacting and responding to others to meet needs without expecting anything in return. That's this most basic definition of New Testament love for one another. So I'm excited. And actually, as we look into a new one another today, we're gonna see they're interestingly linked where we wouldn't have guessed, but you're gonna see Paul's gonna make it really clear to that. So if you have a Bible today, would you make your way to Galatians chapter six Galatians 6. I always do that. Go eat popcorn. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. If you can't find any of those four in the New Testament, that is absolutely unhelpful. So I apologize. But try to find your way there. Galatians chapter 6. We'll dive in. I want to say, by the way, too, what a great weekend. Last weekend, the ability to see on all of our campuses, about 57 people were baptized. Great time after each of our services on each campus. Just having a great barbecue together and watching and kids have a blast. I heard zero emergency room reports from bounce houses. That's a win, and we'll take that one. And I uh, just had a great time all the way around. It was just so fun to see our church family getting to connect and just celebrate good things that God is doing. And so I'm, I hope you got to be a part of that. I know I did, it was great. One, I wanna welcome you guys, by the way, here in Powell Auditorium. For those of you watching online, welcome as well. We're gonna dive in together. As you look at this first one another, this next one another I should say, it's, it's a one that I don't think we often think of if we've been around church very long or have read right over where we find it in Galatians 6, but it's carry each other's burdens or maybe the way you would have read it if you've been in church a long time, read from a different translation, bear one another's burdens. And as we dive into this idea, you're gonna see the text is gonna help us real clearly. Well, number one, what does that mean? But then secondly, does that mean that each and everything that somebody is burdened by or loaded down by, we're to jump in? And the answer is no. And it's gonna be good to kind of see what's the difference, what are the things I'm, I'm called to carry myself and what are the things I'm called to jump in and help bear the load for others. So I'm excited to look at that. So let's take a look in your notes, we'll be in your Bibles as well in just a second. Number one, there are some weights that you aren't meant to bear alone. There are some weights that you aren't meant to bear Alone, And you're in Galatians chapter six, look down to verse two, just the first four words, carry each other's burdens. Carry each other's burdens. Maybe what we need to do though, let's start a little bit with the context of the book of Galatians. Let's go that, let's kind of pull back that far, look at this whole letter. Paul writes it to a group of early Christians in a region, not really a city, but a region called Galatia. What's fascinating about the book of Galatians, if you read it through chapters one through six, you're going to pick up on a tone very quickly and all throughout of correction. The only book that rivals this tone in Paul's letters are his letters to the Corinthian church. But What's interesting about the Corinthian church is as he's correcting them, it's usually about their spiritual immaturity or living very fleshly rather than being renewed by the Spirit and living in a sanctified new way. That's not the issue at hand in the book of Galatians. Incredibly corrective, but it's corrective for a different reason. And it's almost the polar opposite. If the Corinthians were still involved in all kinds of sinful fleshly things and didn't know why there was a problem with that, the Galatians were to the other extreme and they were what we call legalists. And what they were trying to do was to prove their value and worth to God by keeping rules, keeping laws, namely the Jewish law that had been given thousands of years before. And a lot of people in the Galatian church who were formerly Jewish, they did believe that Jesus was Messiah, but they thought that Jesus came to do something to add to the law, rather than Jesus coming and abolishing the law. At least the law in terms of trying to be right towards God. So, in this sequence, this is the Galatians' problem, is they keep saying, oh, Jesus is great, but you really need to do these things too in addition to be right with God. Paul, a former religious elite, a former Pharisee, says, absolutely not. You couldn't be further from the truth. It's never Jesus plus anything. So this is the context of the book and we pick it up in the very last chapter in these first few words of the chapter. And what we realize is is that Paul's statement about carrying each other's burdens, adding a shoulder to the weight and walking together is absolutely counter to the legalist mindset. Warren Wiersbe in his commentary says it this way, the legalist is not interested in bearing burdens. Instead, he adds to the burdens of others. The legalist is always harder on other people than he is on himself, but the spirit-led Christian demands more of himself than he does of others, that he might be able to help others. So this concept is gonna be right in the face of those that are providing the greatest challenges and problems in the Galatia church. Why would I jump in to help other people when I just wanna actually give them more rules that demonstrate how far away they are from God? So, Warren is reminding us this is so counter to that audience and what they're struggling with. Let's do this though, this is gonna be really helpful. Let's go back up to the beginning of this chapter, chapter six, verse one, and get immediate context for the words I just read to you. Galatians 6, one, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Interesting. So we're beginning this new chapter and and there is a real clear thought break from the end of chapter five. And Paul is saying, hey, among you, and and real clear language, right? The one another's are about how people in the church, how people who have come to faith are followers of Jesus. They call, rightly so, each other brother and sister under a heavenly father. Paul says that brothers and sisters, when someone in your ranks, in your congregation, in your fellowship is struggling with sin, you who walk by the Spirit should come alongside them and help restore them. And I love this key word, gently. There, there is a calling upon people in this sense, sense to respond. And so what's powerful is we kind of break that down, we begin to see some things, and the issue that then sets up verse two is that it's someone who's dealing with sin. Now, the commentaries I went through in getting ready for our time together this weekend, it was fascinating to see them fall on two camps. Where a half of them or so would basically say, hey, the context of Galatians 6 is the person who is struggling with sin. And so that's what burden bearing is. That's what carrying the burdens of others relates to is someone dealing with sin issues and people connected to them in their fellowship come alongside of them. Other commentary writers that I listen to seem to kind of put chapter six, verse two in its own little space and say, no, no, burden bearing is any kind of thing that causes a person, of course it could be sin, but causes a person to be weighed down and under that load they need other people to lend a shoulder and help them bear it, help them carry what they're wearing. And as I was processing those two types of ideas, I honestly think it's both and. I think we cannot skip over the fact that the verse just before it said, hey, if someone is caught in sin, caught in sin, like, not like necessarily, oh, I caught you, but like a net, that's the language. So caught up, tripped up in a sin. But I also think that when you think New Testament church, you see this idea of even things that are not necessarily sin issues, but simply completely overwhelming that God calls our brothers and sisters to come alongside of us and lend a shoulder to help bear. So I'm gonna go with the idea. I think that's really a both-end issue. So it begins with carry. Carry means exactly what you think it means. It's no different from Greek to English. And that idea of kind of putting strength up underneath something. But I want you to note the verb tense, like we said last week, it's a second person plural imperative verb, which is like Todd, again, not a grammarian, help me out. It is that whole thing we said about our folks from the south, it is a y'all. So second person plural, it doesn't say to an individual in the church at Galatia, it says to the church, to brothers and sisters plural, you are called to carry, to bear the burdens of each other, of one another. And it's an imperative, it's not a suggestion, it's not a description of things, it's a call to action. I want you to note something that's really powerful in this, by the way, is that when we see, again, these one another's, they're always the same way. It's a directive, a command about what we're to do towards each other, how we are to demonstrate biblical community towards one another. And the carry, by the way, doesn't mean that you come in and and take something from someone and take it away from them. It means that you add a shoulder and help them, in a sense, make it more bearable of what they're bearing. So it doesn't release the person and say, oh, we got it. It's like, hey, I'm gonna come alongside and I'll be helpful to you in the way that um, God has called me to. There's two other places in the New Testament that use that verb bear. I wanna show you them. Romans 15, one, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. And that's in a conversation about what we call weak and strong Christians. We don't have time for that today. Look at the next one, Colossians three thirteen. bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Now, these, both of these verses talk about the idea of going long with someone, like not giving up, not giving in, but they don't talk about this mutuality of bearing each other's burdens. That's very unique to Galatians 6. But what's fascinating is all three of the references I gave you where we started in Galatians and then here in Romans and in Colossians, they all do relate to someone who has failed, someone who has sinned, someone you have a grievance against. So we can't miss that point. They all have this idea. Bearing has this concept in mind when we talk about how we come alongside other people. But then we think of the how. So someone in my connections, in my oikos, someone in my growth group is struggling with the sin issue. How am I, you know, run onto the scene, grab seven friends and say, stop it. Or is there a more thoughtful biblical way? And the good news is I'm glad you asked, Jesus actually gives us an incredibly powerful way. Matthew chapter 18 says this, verse 15. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault, watch this, just between the two of you, Mono y mano. I was trying to think of the female version of mano y mano, it didn't come to my mind, so that was the dramatic pause, okay, that's all it is. If they listen to you, watch this, you have won them over. Not so much won them over to you, but won them back to righteousness, walking in a way pleasing to God. But if they will not listen, verse 16, take one or two others along, and watch this, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If that doesn't work, that first connection, that first um, a confrontation, then bring a couple other people, not 80, Bring two or three with you so that there is now this witnessing of what's been happening. Verse 17, if they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Now there's tons about Matthew 15 we could spend, and we will at one point, spend a ton of time over about this loving confrontation that we are meant to be having as brothers and sisters in Christ, I believe, ongoingly. It's not saved up for the biggies, it should be happening consistently, and if you're hanging out with people like me, it's probably daily, that I need to lovingly call someone out on something that they're walking in a way outside of God's design for their lives but with the goal of seeing them be restored, not to finger wag. So if Jesus gives us this approach in Matthew 18 about what Paul identifies, and I think we'll see the correlation strongly even more in a minute, then this is the how. If the what is we're called to come alongside and bear or carry each other's burdens, how are we to do that? We're to do this, this is what that verse said, to do so gently. Gently means, first of all, one-on-one. When you think about that one-on-one, by the way, you'll know as you read that from Matthew 18, never once did it kind of frame that or limit that to people who are in vocational ministry. If a brother or sister is is dealing with a sin issue, you should call your pastor and, and snitch on them so that your pastor will go talk to them. Not what Jesus said. You who are where... You who might be a very front row witness to what's happened, you go. And that's powerful. There's an onus on each and every one of us, whether you're in a ministry leadership role or not, to go towards someone with the goal of seeing them restored and living the way that God would have them live. If that doesn't work though, if they still choose to bear the weight of this sin alone, then you bring a couple of people with you again with the goal of saying, hey, we love you so much. Every time I've ever confronted someone about challenges in their life that were living outside of God's design, I have always said, just because it's true, it would be much easier for me to keep my mouth shut. I would love to ignore what's happening, but I can't. Biblically, I have to say something. And so this group of two or three now comes to this person again pleading, would you repent of what you're doing and follow once again your heavenly father? If that doesn't work, it says to tell it to the church and not in some big gossipy way, but for the goal that that church local family would be able to go to that person and say, bro, go to that sister, say, girl, come on, this is important. God is really clear about this. You're living outside of his design. That's not good for you. It's not good for our fellowship. So this is the way, this is the way we do it. And I thought we could kind of demonstrate this a little bit related to burden bearing, related to those who are dealing with sin issues this way. So you'll note, Izzy was playing at this piano today. And if, if it was to be something that there's a burden that needs to be dealt with, and it's a one person sized burden, like in Matthew 18, going to that person, Todd can do this much. Okay, I know, you're pretty impressed. Like, dude's got muscles, right? I can do this much. I can carry that stool over, I'm not overly winded, and I can do that much. That's a burden that I can step towards, and that's a one-person-sized burden. But if you were to say, you know, Todd, here is the rest of this instrument, not just its stool, and 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 the, the burden required is to lift it up. Now you notice from the camera angle, there's a keyboard in here, but the whole thing has not been gutted out. It is full of strings. This is no, you know, like shell alone. And I'm just going to tell you now, not even going to try on my own. There's no way I can lift this thing off the ground. So I need a friend. I need someone to help me. I asked my friend, Michael, from our productions team, Michael, come on out. Would you guys welcome Michael out? So Michael and I, we're gonna do this. All we're gonna do is merely lift it up off the ground. Again, feats of strength. But I want you to see, I can't do this by myself. I need to be in a humble position to ask for help. Michael, would you help me lift this? Let's uh, do that workplace lifting, bend with the knees, you know, that whole thing. All right, here we go. One, two, three. All right. We did it. I'm feeling pretty good about that. Michael, good job. Now, if the task before us was even greater with someone, back to our Matthew 18 and and, uh, Galatians 6, greater in the sense of that there's still not repentance or there's still a burden that is still not happening. And it was beyond even lifting this thing up but literally lifting it up and moving it over here. Michael, do we need help? Absolutely. Lifting it up was one thing, moving it is another. So I need two of you. I'm not joking. I need two of you to come down. If you're watching online, I'd love to have your help. It's just gonna be hard. But uh, come on down. I seriously need to, come on, come on. I need two people, there's two. All right, come on. You guys, you can come up through that gap in the stanchion. Thank you, fellas. Appreciate your help. By the way, just for the record, did I talk to either of you before service and say, come on up, are you plants? In this whole thing? No. no, no, okay. All right, so get a corner, get a corner. I'm gonna switch with you. Mm-hmm. All right, there is a hold on that side. Now, let me explain. We're gonna literally just pick it up and put it right in front of the seat. That's it. It's about eight feet on the count of three. One, two, three. Okay. And down. Would you give these fellas a hand? Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you, Michael. Now, that was doable. Like, I, on the second poll, I'm like, okay, I'm glad I'm only having to lift it up briefly and get to put it back down. But there's no way Michael and I are going to move that. And this is what this really ushers in. As you see it visually, you're realizing, and I said it earlier today, there are some things that we are called, we actually will see it later, we have a responsibility to move ourselves. There's other things we need help with. And sometimes that can just be one other person and we can handle that together. But then there's sometimes, look at this in your notes, here's the question, who do you have to call upon when you face the group-sized burdens in your life? Who do you have to call upon when you face the group-sized burdens in your life? The reality is is that that piano needed more than two, at least more than Michael and I, And when we had the four of us who picked it up, moved it, did what we needed to do. Here's the point. What Galatians is saying, what Jesus is saying is the reality that the call to be family in the family of God means that it's not just simply coast, show up, punch your ticket. I was there, whether at a weekend worship service or even in a growth group. I participated, I was there that day. It is getting involved in each other's lives in ways that, like I said earlier, it'd be easier to ignore this, but I cannot. And I wanna step towards you and I wanna be helpful to you. I love the way that John Stott stated the simplicity of it all. He said, notice the assumption which lies behind this command, that of carry each other's burdens, namely that we all have burdens and that God does not mean us to carry them alone. So as you're listening today, And you're processing, when I'm talking about burden bearing, carrying each other's burdens, your mind did not go to other people in your life. Your mind went to you. And you're processing some of the issues that you're working through that could be related to sin stuff that's got its hold on you. It could be related simply to the overwhelming circumstances you find yourself in. And you're saying, I I can't navigate this through. And so what John Stott reminds us of is that that's true of all of us. Might not be all of us today, but it's all of us at certain points in our lives. And we have burdens that are greater than we can bear. But this other thing about what he said is so true in that we're called towards each other. We're called to come alongside each other and this is that one another that then we demonstrate this sense of care. At HCC, historically, this has always happened. I said it last week. Don't expect to be able to engage or live out the one another's at a weekend worship service. There's small opportunities here and there, but the ongoing rhythm of opportunity with brothers and sisters is in a growth group. And it's there that you're doing life together. It's there that you're connecting with one another. It's there that you're learning what the burdens are so that you can step towards one another. And it's in our growth groups that these things happen most and most often, and that's where the richness comes. And you'll recognize a relationship isn't, again, just coming together in a living room, eating snacks, talking about what you got for number three. A growth group is the dynamic where this is a small microcosm of the body of Christ, and it's where we are engaging the one another's towards one another. Number two, in your notes. You express love to others by sharing their load. You express love to others by sharing their load. I told you last week, love one another was uniquely connected to this week. And you're like, I don't see it. Let me show you. This is the totality of chapter six, verse two. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now what's fascinating is as you read that line, you actually, if you've read much of the Bible, you realize that law of Christ concept, it's a very unique thing. Actually, it only shows up that phrase in Galatians 6. That's not usually how we talk about Jesus related to the law. Jesus came and fulfilled the law on our behalf and our righteousness is no longer found in how hard we try Our righteousness is found in what he's done. And so he changed the game. So the law of Christ is a very particular and unique phrase. And it makes you scratch your head. Well, what laws did Jesus give? Well, first off, I think the phraseology is absolutely um, specific and right for the letter to the Galatians. Here were people trying to infuse law-keeping to be right with God. When Paul has just said a chapter before in Galatians 5, if you will love your neighbor as yourself, you complete all of the law. So to say the law of Christ... With well, the law of Jesus is this idea of being able to say, let me actually tell you what he said. And he kind of, I think, is connecting a dot back to what John wrote in his gospel. We referenced it last week as well about this last conversation that Jesus had with his disciples. Look at the new commandment. Look at the new law he gave them three times in three chapters. John chapter 13, verse 34. A new command or a new law I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. John fifteen, twelve, my command, my law is this love each other as I have loved you. And just a couple of verses later, John 15, 17, this is my command, love each other. This is how Andy Stanley put it. Jesus commanded us to love others. This was far less complicated than following all the laws of the Old Testament. All right, so there's a benefit side, but now watch the second half. But it was also far more demanding. I don't know if you've been around people who are what I would call legalists. and It's a lifestyle I don't want anything about. But I will tell you what's fascinating, because you would go, why would you ever be drawn to keeping rules as a Christian? Why, Why is that so important to certain people? How you dress, how long is your hair, on the list goes. And the interesting thing is, it's, you have to think about it for a little bit, but it's actually easier to live that way than to live with this reality. What am I called to when I'm called to you? I'm not called to a list of do's and don'ts. I'm called to love you. And as we said last week, that's meeting needs without expecting anything in return. That's much more difficult and much more messy than just keeping checking a box. He finished with this great phrase, we should always ask ask ourselves, what does God's love for me require of me? I've shared that with our staff on numerous occasions since I've come back. And I just tell them when I drive into work every day, that is the thought I'm praying as I'm coming into work, God, what does your love require of me today? What does it look like <clears throat> to love our staff team? What does it look like to love people that come in for counseling? What does it look like to love people I interact with at lunch? What does that require of me today? That is the command. So now if we take this back and look back into it, look, in your, or look at the, the text again, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, watch, you will show love to one another, because that was Jesus's command. In your notes, what is burden bearing for one another? Simply put, how you practically demonstrate that you love your brothers and sisters demonstrated love towards each other is how I come alongside you to bear burdens with you that practically demonstrates love. And I just think that's so powerful. All right, finally today, number three, there are some weights that you are meant to bear alone. This is what I said, there was gonna be a contrast today. There are some weights that you are meant to bear alone. What is that about? The very next three verses in Galatians 6, beginning in verse three, If anyone thinks that they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. Verse five, for each one should carry their own load. Fascinating. When you look at these three verses, just as we just read them, completely out of the context of the rest of Galatians 6, these are very confusing to me. What is this about not you know, um, uh, not comparing yourselves to others and, and this idea of not thinking of yourself more highly and then carry your own load? What does that even mean? And as we've seen earlier, it doesn't come in a vacuum. There are a couple verses ahead that give us some context. But then I think it says, in the context of coming alongside and shouldering the weight with other brothers and sisters, then look at verse three. None of you should think of yourselves more highly than you ought When you're thinking about the person you're coming alongside of, because you are making comparisons, Paul knew their minds. This is what we all do, it's the human thing. As we come alongside to bear burdens, we will have the tendency to think, one of two things, either A, look how I've come in to rescue you. I'm amazing. Or, wow, you're really a mess. At least I didn't screw up this bad. That is a normal human tendency. We will step into those spaces as we should, but we will begin to conjecture that thought process along. Either I'm amazing for doing what God simply called all of us to do, or man, you're a train wreck. I've messed up, but never this bad. That's what verses three, four, and five are talking about. Don't begin to compare yourself to the person who is overwhelmed and burdened. Instead, in those tendencies, we should not look at the frailties of others and think that we're somehow superior or somehow their Messiah. Instead, we should realize when was the time I was in this situation? Or have I ever let anyone into my life when I've been overwhelmed? This passage kind of reminds me of a story that at least is alleged about Muhammad Ali. And it said this about him. He was getting onto a plane and the the steward was saying, it's time to fasten seatbelts, prepare to get ready to fly. And this is what he said to the attendant. He said, Superman don't need no um, seatbelt. To which the attendant said, Superman don't need no plane. (laughs) Buckle up. And I love that because this is great reminder that we can feel like when we step into those spaces, like we're Superman or Superwoman, like we're, we're doing this mighty spiritual thing and we're doing an obedient thing, don't get me wrong. But then it's easy to be very judgy towards the person who's overburdened rather than coming in with compassion. Watch this, just like Jesus did. In every situation where he could have exalted himself and felt so great about every time coming to rescue and to help. But Jesus, like we saw earlier in chapter six, verse one, did so gently and recognized what was needed in that moment for who he was working with. You'll note something then that seems contradictory though. When you get to verse five, it said, for each one should carry his own load. Now, wait a second. I thought we were just told we're to carry or bear the burdens of each other. Now at the end, we're supposed to carry our own load. Those seem contradictory to me. Well, we listen to our friend, John Stott. He says it this way. There is no contradiction here between verse two, bear one another's burdens, and verse five, each man will have to bear his own load. For the Greek, Greek, I'm really on tonight, the Greek word for burden is different. In verse two, meaning a weight or a heavy load, but the word in verse five is a common word for a man's pack. Those are two very different concepts. The weight of a piano, Versus a common pack that someone would put on their back. So we are to bear one another's burdens, which are too heavy for a man to bear alone. But there is one burden which we cannot share. Indeed, do not need to, because it is a pack light enough for every man, for every woman to carry themselves. And that is our responsibility to God on the day of judgment. So it's all in the difference of the weightiness of the load. If it's the weight of a piano, there's a team, there's a group who needs to come alongside and say, how can we help you bear this burden? But I brought my satchel today. I take this to work each and every day and you'll see me getting out of my car and coming up the stairs and I just put this on every single day. Usually I has my laptop in it and a couple books and that's it. How incredibly weird would it be when I pulled into the church parking lot, texted one of the pastors or ministry staff, would you come down? I've got to carry the satchel all by myself. And they came and we kind of two handed it all the way up, you know, together. You're like, man, we got the wrong guy in this job. This is something I can, it is appropriate for me to carry by myself. That is not And that's what Paul's after. And he's saying that there's, don't misunderstand. Because again, just like the Galatians, just like other churches to Paul, who Paul wrote to, we can tend to be over. We can swing the pendulum to the extremes rather than finding the middle. There is a weight, there is a burden for which you need people to help you bear. There are other burdens you are called to bear alone. Personal responsibility, this is what he's talking about. Let me give you a few examples that would help you see the difference between what we might call a burden, that larger weight, and a load which you could handle by yourself. Look at some of these scenarios up on the screen. A young guy who constantly gets up late for work or school because he stays up playing video games all night asks you to wake him up every morning so he does not lose his job or flunk out of school. Second scenario, a guy who spends all his money on beer, cigarettes, and lottery tickets refuses to look for a job and asks you for money. Third scenario, a businessman works 12-hour days, including Saturdays, and asks you to take his son to all the baseball practices and games. Fourth scenario, a married couple has three children and one day there is an accident. One of the parents dies in a car wreck. The remaining parent and the kids have needs. Fifth scenario. A husband abandons his wife for another woman, leaving her with four kids. She needs help meeting daily responsibilities. Sixth scenario, an older faithful church member gets sick and is having a hard time. She needs help with meals, transportation, and occasional living expenses. Process those for a minute. Three of those, the first three, were all things about personal responsibility. I need to not be up at all hours of the night so I can get up on time and get to work. I need to steward God's resources well in my life. I need to stop being married to a job and start being committed to my family. Those are all loads that we are called to bear. That is a personal responsibility issue. And if you offload those things and say, I need everyone's help to bear those burdens, you're missing what Paul said at the end of Galatians 6. Conversely, those last three, completely overwhelming. There's no way that one human being is going to get all that done. So under that weight and that bearing, it's brothers and sisters coming alongside and being able to put a shoulder up underneath that and say, let's let's help you get there. That's beautiful. And that is, by the way, on the one hand, it's complete irresponsibility for what I'm called to do. But on the other hand, this this takes humility. It is hard to ask for help. And the reality is that's one of the biggest tensions about this concept is how many people keep on bearing weights they're not meant to bear because of pride. And I don't wanna have to admit that I'm overwhelmed and overcome. When we do life together in things like growth groups, we actually get to know each other and we see when we're connecting weekly or every other week, we're watching and we're noticing and we're hearing and we can respond versus just out of the blue, I saw you at a worship service and never would have known that was going on in your life. That again, keeps bringing us back to the incredible importance. Look in your notes. Are you taking responsibility for what you should be carrying yourself? And are you in relationships with other followers of Jesus with whom you can mutually bear burdens together? It's both and. There are some loads I'm called to carry myself. There are other great burdens. I need help. I need your shoulder so we can get to where this needs to get done. And as we've talked about growth groups, I appreciate, I was talking to Pastor Kyle this week and he appreciated as we're talking about what these groups are and how incredibly important the one another's are to any local church and how this is the primary focal point of where they take place. But he told me this week, he said, Todd, I love that, but can I tell you, man, if we get a lot of people ready to be in a growth group coming out of Rooted next January, I don't have leaders for them. And so he said, what would help me most going into this week is not so much even talking about how people need to get in growth groups, though they do, but it's talking about how much we need leaders to lead growth groups. Leaders who would say, I have a sense of calling. I feel like my gifts could be used that way. I'm ready to be trained and equipped and not just kind of dropped in the deep end. And I'm ready in order to lead a group to go through something like Rooted Myself in January. Just to make it super easy, and by the way, if there's any other thing you wanna be critical of, send an email to Kyle Patrick at highdissertchurch.com. We just made it super easy so you couldn't miss it. It's on the screen, it's in your notes. But seriously, if you're going, Todd, I feel like that's something I'd be open to or interested in or even feel called to. Contact Kyle, have a conversation so that we'll have the right infrastructure, we'll have leaders prepared and ready to go who can begin to lead root groups in this next season of Rooted. And I love that. I love Kyle's heart for that all the way around. I wanted to uh, finish our time together today by telling you, this isn't just, hey, you ought to, you ought to, you should, you should. This is actually, it's clear from God's word, these are commands and directives, but I wanted you to hear a cool thing. These things are happening among us. I asked our teaching team this week, I said, hey, give me examples of the ways that people are bearing each other's burdens in our fellowship. And examples like they're moving towards one another when there's a sin issue that that person is either not able to bear or needs to be called out to bear. Then to the other examples, there are people who are stepping up and meeting needs within their growth groups financially for the people in their group, meeting needs with meals, meeting needs with simply just rides, helping kids get where they need to go. People who are coming alongside in powerful ways and really living out this one another. And I wanna tell you, I was not surprised when I heard that. I know you. And I didn't doubt for a moment that there aren't examples of this one another being lived out in a consistent way in our growth groups. And I'm going to tell you I'm grateful for that. I love the way that many of you are bearing one another's burdens. It is happening. This is a great reminder to it. It's also a great reminder if you are in a growth group and you're going, I don't know if that's happening. At least not I'm aware of it. And, and As we go through each of these one another's over the next few weeks, would you keep asking that reflective question, are we living these out towards one another? If we're not, We need to have some good conversations and make a course correction so we would. And finally this, I love it. We said it last week, that when you consider the way we live out these one another's towards each other in these environments, most often in a growth group, don't for a moment fail to see what Jesus had said last week And since we saw that bearing or carrying one another's burdens is commensurate with the idea of loving one another, do not forget what Jesus said, that when we treat each other this way, there are people around us in our oikos, people around us in our relational worlds, people around us in our eight to 15 who don't yet know and follow him, but they see the way that brothers and sisters love each other. They see the way that brothers and sisters bear each other's burdens. And they recognize these people, these people, there's something about them and the way they treat each other that is winsome to me. Jesus said it this way, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. How? If you love one another. Let's pray. Father, we come before you today, just so grateful for this passage the Galatian church had a lot of issues that uh, Paul needed to correct. But this one is powerful, a great uh, command and directive that they were called not just to keep putting weights upon other people and judging them. They were called to move towards them with love and with care and to shoulder up burdens that each other were having. God, how powerful does that concept scream when it comes to the beauty of Christian community, the beauty of how we interact and relate to one another? God, who doesn't want to be a part of something like that? And so I just pray this week, would you help us have eyes to see, ears to hear where there are burdens with people in our lives that we can come alongside and shoulder up and say, I'm here to help. You may be here today, you may be watching online and you would say, Todd, but I've not taken this first step to even enter into the family of God. I've not taken the step to be included as one of his kids through what Jesus, God's one of a kind son did for all of us. And the great news is you can enter, you can be birthed into that family anew like Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter three, By beginning with this idea of recognizing your need for a savior, admitting, admitting that you've sinned against a holy God. And as a result, there's a broken relationship that's due to you. It was due to all of us. It needs mending. But would you be believe? Would you believe that's why Jesus came and lived a sinless life and died a sacrificial death? Why he was raised supernaturally in the third day is he bore, talk about bearing the weight. Jesus bore the weight of all humanity's sin. Would you believe that you're included in that group and what he did, he did for you? And would you see, choose. Choose to say, Jesus, I put my confidence and trust in what you've done, not legalistically what I can do to somehow be good enough for you. And I wanna live the rest of my life following your example. You can make that decision right here tonight. You don't have to let another day go by. And I just pray, pray you take that step of faith, enter into the family of God. Father, we love you this week. Give us great opportunities to bear burdens around us. We pray in Jesus' great name, amen.